0: Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome back. And now we're talking about something that all of us uses, or almost all of us uses, and that is... Technology and digital technology. And we are talking to a psychologist about how we are, well, how we can help to balance ourselves in this world of digital everything. My guest today is Doreen Dogden McGee. Her book is Deviced Balancing Life and Technology in a Digital World. Doreen is a psychologist with over 25 years of experience working with individuals and groups in Portland, Oregon. She also maintains a national and international speaking docket and is followed online where she posts challenges for living moderately with tech in widely embodied spaces. Her main passion is engaging people about how new digital landscape is shaping humanity, and she's recognized also as a gun violence prevention activist. Welcome, Doreen. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this. For nearly two decades, you've been really tracking how the latest technology from Web 2.0 to the smartphone revolution (laughs) is uh, changing the virtual reality of becoming part of our everyday lives. It's intersecting with our health, with our well-being. And you're also seeing what it has done both positively and negatively. And so let's talk about that today. What's the first thing you want us to know, number one? Don't tell us to turn well, off our cell phones. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> the first thing I think I would say is that it would be unrealistic to try to do so anymore. Right. Uh, right. And that our primary uh, goal or my primary goal is to encourage people to really amp up the um, the wild interestingness of their embodied lives while at the same time trying to kind of moderate or take stock of their digital engagement, Mm -hmm. Um, being honestly aware and authentically aware that there are some pretty profound impacts that that technology engagement is having, Um, and those impacts are now seen in the literature uh, neurologically, so in our brains, in our bodies, in things like our posture, uh, things like thumb arthritis from texting, uh, in mm-hmm. our interpersonal lives, the way we relate to others, and then in our intrapersonal life. So the way we relate to our very sense of self is changing the more we interact with uh, digital mm-hmm. devices.
1: Well, I have to a couple things I want to share. I've shared this before on the show, but I it just is such a, a remarkable example of you know, the issues we have in communication when we rely on digital more than we do on talking to people. So, if you saw the movie The Intern, Robert Redford mm-hmm. is retired and older, and he goes to a millennial company, and... um Anne Hathaway is the owner Mm -hmm. of the company, and she, in order to save time, drives her bicycle across the the warehouse floor so she doesn't have to walk, so it's quicker. So the young people there at first don't know what he's doing, and they think he's kind of, you know, older, but then, and so you have a little bit of ageism, but then they start coming to him for advice. So one of them comes Mm -hmm. to him one day and says, listen, you know, I'm really upset. My, My girlfriend won't talk to me. And so De Niro says, well, why? He says, well, I was flirting with with her best friend. And he said, so what'd you do about it? He said, well, I texted her. And he said, you texted her? And he said, yes, but then I emailed her right after that. And De Niro said, you emailed her? He said, what about talking to her? And so Mm -hmm. I think that's the crux of all of this, Doreen. Talk about that.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I do think we have a couple of issues. One is that, Uh, we love, in America, we are not the best at being moderate, and we love convenience, Uh, we love comfort, (laughs) and it's very convenient and now becoming more and more comfortable to communicate in in methods that don't bring us face-to-face or voice-to-voice with each other. And and in doing so, we create really strong habits and so then not only do we have a habit of wanting to communicate in this quick, uh, maybe less um, accountable or less uncomfortable, awkward way. But also, we have robbed ourselves of the opportunity to practice the skill of face-to-face or voice-to-voice communication. So, we've lost some commensurate skill while at the same time habituating to a form of communication. And so, then we're we're stuck with kind of two problems to solve. One is breaking the habit and the other is building a skill. Uh, so that that's why I, I like to think about how can we keep all of our embodied skills very active and, and at the ready and at least some of the time force ourselves to be inconvenienced and uncomfortable enough to lean into them and to use them.
1: So what I'm hearing you say is use the digital technology as a tool to help you, but don't incorporate it into your life so that the other parts of your life aren't functioning anymore, so to speak.
2: Right, right. And I think that's really, that brings up an important point, especially when you do talk about communication between generations. Uh, we, we also tend to have our own biases and our own preferences, and it can be hard for us to be flexible enough to reach um, reach out to others in the way they would most prefer. So sometimes if, you know, I'm, I'm a little older, I may need to text someone younger uh, because that's the way they most communicate. But maybe after I do that three or four times, then I ask them, hey, would you be up for a five-minute phone call um, mm-hmm. <laughs> if I text mm-hmm. you to remind you, you know? So the, having a flexibility in the way that we reach out can also be really important.
1: Mm. Let's talk about um, serious ethical and psychological impacts of virtual reality. You know, what I think about, what I'm thinking about is this new technology where you put a, a, like a goggle on and you're Mm -hmm. able to see 3D, like you don't have to travel now, you can, and it takes you to the place. I mean, but, but you're still not there. You're not touching the ground or the water or the earth.
2: Right. One of the things that is so interesting to me is if you look at the research on VR, one of the things that the creators are really trying to do is bring a sense of embodiment into the digital world. And one of the things I'm really trying to do as a psychologist and researcher is bring a sense of embodiment back to our bodies. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And and VR is Mm. amazing. Some of the most amazing applications of it are in the medical world where it it really does have the potential. You put on those goggles and Let's say you're an amputee, you actually have a a leg again or an arm and you can work on pain management in that way. But some of the other applications I think will end up or have the potential to end up robbing us again, of those opportunities to make do with the less convenient modes of things like travel. Or one of the examples I like to think about is if in third grade, when third graders do their ancient Egypt report, if they no longer have to make a sugar cube pyramid, but instead can put on 3D goggles and literally visit ancient Egypt, they stop losing the interest in doing the kind of scrappy, resourceful learning processes that that end up creating things like resilience and grit and tenacity. Mm-hmm. And so those are the things, those are the reasons why I would say if we're going to integrate VR, let's make sure we are really tending to the norms we create around it so we don't become habituated to leaning into it more than we do into mm-hmm. our embodied space. And DR is digital research? Uh, VR, I'm sorry, virtual reality, virtual reality, yeah, VR. Yeah.
1: Yeah, which is, which is really important. What about, what would you say to parents about sexting and porn and technology and how that can shape sexuality of young people?
2: The first thing that I would say is that it's really important. Parents have really strong reactions and can tend to overreact really strongly when a child comes to them or when it comes to their attention that their child has been involved in sexting or observing porn. And, and then it's super important for parents to understand that this is pretty normative behavior anymore and that it's very crucial that they prepare themselves to have non-shaming conversations with their children much earlier than they think they need to about how their children can react. To that So one of the things I encourage parents to think about is to rehearse saying to your third or fourth grade child things like, you're going to come across things online that are going to make you feel kind of uncomfortable and super excited. <laughs> and when you come across those, you can come tell me about them, and I won't be mad. I would just like to help you figure out how to navigate those, because if you start taking in a lot of them, they'll start really kind of... Um, Making you feel an odd assortment of things that can become kind of troublesome, and I'd love to help you with that. And then the second So thing I like without is parents, without blaming oh, yeah. or shaming them is what you're saying. Absolutely, starting open conversations, which I think is more and more important with all forms of parenting in the digital age. Um, this is the reality that we are raising kids into, and it is our responsibility to number one teach them how to use it well, to number two model really well, because we send a really conflicting message when we are on them about their use, but we are the entire time checking our email and Candy Crushing, mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. and then third to be uh, we we have to be aware of what they're facing. Uh, this is a, and and porn is a great example. The way in which um, people now. Consume porn is that they are um, consuming many, many different sites within one session uh, of of porn use, and that's kind of uh, like how we are seeing most forms of screen-based stimulation where there are a ra- there's a rapidity, a rapidness of the images that we see that literally forces the wiring in the brain away from the centers of the brain where focus is wired, where the ability to wait is wired, and instead we're loading the brain in the, in, in the regions that are kind of about impulsivity and um, desire and quick um, Kind of a lack of delay of gratification mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. when that's happening with things like porn, that's creating now um you know a way that the brain is wired for sex and sexuality that's also deeply impacting their physiological sense of mm-hmm. um you know of, of sex sex and desire and it' it's it, we're seeing now um an urgency an urgency yes. right.
1: Yeah. In terms yep, of, yep. you know, that it, it, it's that, it, and then it gets satisfied just like anything else, you know, that instant gratification. Yeah, yep. so that's really important that parents need to talk to their kids. We've got a couple minutes before break. So you write about why living living a fiery life is the best mm-hmm. way to keep technology from taking control and how we can all make our lives fiery. What do you mean?
2: What I mean is finding that edge for yourself where you are taking enough appropriate risks that kind of will push you a little bit, that will grow you a little bit, that will stretch you, uh, and that are also within the realm of things that really, really interest you. So if you're a musical person, to listen to lots of genres of music, or if you're a reader, to read far outside of the genre you think you appreciate, or if you're a physical kinesthetic learner, you know, making sure you challenge yourself or, or push yourself past the edge of comfort into finding these kind of interesting, wild um, spaces that will grow us. You know, if you look at the contacts in your phone or in your former days, in your address book, probably a lot of those contacts look a lot like you. And when we don't have fiery or unique or interesting, challenging people and experiences in our lives, we're at great risk of going online and finding them there uh, in places that leave our embodied lives kind of um, untended to and unexplored. And I think the cost of that are things like tenacity, empathy, uh, boredom tolerance, um, all kinds of, of things that we need for life satisfaction and success.
1: All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to talk more to Doreen doggen McGee. She's a psychologist with over 25 years of experience working with individuals and groups in Portland, Oregon, throughout the country, and internationally. Her book is Balancing Life and Technology in a Digital World, and the title, her one word title, is Deviced. Device to balancing life and technology in a digital world. And when we come back, we'll talk about Twitter trolls. We'll talk about positive effects of technology. We'll talk about constant online engagement and, uh, and how we can balance all this out. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
3: Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no.
0: Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at Voice TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back.
1: And we are talking to Doreen Dogden mcgee Her book is Deviced, Balancing Life and Technology in a Digital World, and boy, we need that today more than I think we ever have before. All right, let me tell you about Doreen. Doreen is a psychologist with over 25 years of experience working with individuals and groups in Portland, Oregon. She also maintains a national and international speaking docket and is followed online where she posts challenges for living moderately with tech and wildly in embodied spaces. And her passion is to engage people how to use the new digital landscape in shaping humanity. Well, welcome back, Doreen. Thank you so much. Uh, All right. Uh, Talk about um, Twitter trolls. What are they? (laughs)
2: <laughs> These are um, individuals who set up accounts to um react to things that they feel strongly about, usually by pointing pretty critical and harsh uh comments toward uh individuals who either promote ideas that they're not comfortable with or that make them angry or spark a nerve. And they are they're just sort of relentless and um they can have a pretty profound effect. It's kind of like the old school version of bullying, only in a way where the platform is much larger, and they have a much greater scope, uh, and can be much more pervasive. And it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard. It's hard for me when they don't like what I'm saying, and so I can't imagine what it's like for a, a you know a developing young adult or adolescent to face the kind of harsh criticism that 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 can now be lobbed from pretty anonymous. Mm-hmm places with no accountability.
1: Mm, interesting. Now there's a term called
2: ludite. What does that mean? <laughs> luddite are people who kind of resist technology and say, you know, we should we should not embrace it at all. And I think that's kind of a dangerous place anymore because so much of our embodied lives really are impacted things by things that happen in our digital spaces. So to for instance raise a child with no no understanding of technology and then to launch them or release them out into the world would be pretty irresponsible. So I feel like we all need to at least have an awareness and an understanding of technology. And, and also, I think we're responsible for knowing some of the really positive things that it can create in our lives um, and then learn how to integrate it into life in a moderate way where, where we you know capitalize on the benefits and really um, are aware of and managing the negative effects. Talk
1: about, Clients you've had that come to you specifically because they're either concerned about family members or themselves actually becoming addicted to technology and starting to yeah. lose sort of their own vibrancy in their body as you as you've
2: talked about yeah, so the thing that I noticed with uh, kind of an adult population, clientele, or people who could want to consult with me, things that they're experiencing are oftentimes a very pervasive sense of kind of an ambient sense of competition or comparison that they feel like they are, in, especially in social media or in professionally linked media, that they're constantly feeling like they have to keep up in the 24-hour cycle and that they're competing for um, an audience and that, that this means they have to be kind of hyper vigilant. These folks oftentimes also feel like they've lost ability to focus, they can sometimes feel really irritable if they are forced to be away from their device or um, not able to keep their uh, platforms up as much as they feel like they should. They oftentimes have a huge sense that they're missing out because we now see So much of the possibilities out there in the world, and we literally can't keep up with them. There's this ever-expanding social, educational, informational Mm -hmm. uh, set of opportunities that we just can't keep up on. Do you you Um, see that mostly with
1: the parents coming to you, or the children, or or they self-refer for themselves?
2: A lot of times folks now are are thinking about them, you know, like professionals are thinking about themselves as adults. I do the other large set of, of folks that reach out are parents, and one of the biggest things that I find for parents is that they have a lot of fear and not a lot of information, and so... Uh, You know, a big trend right now is uh, individuals, young adults, high school graduates wanting to maybe forego college to try to be a professional video gamer or to be, you know, a social media, um, literally celebrity or influencer, and parents get very afraid and or they think these are not real things and so they couldn't happen, where the child knows that these are very real professions. <laughs> um, they may not have the most realistic expectation about what it takes to to make these, you know, real professional realities, but there's a real disconnect. And so what I oftentimes find is that if parents and children can have very um, objective, non-emotionally driven conversations they can begin to have a shared vocabulary and a non-shaming, non-fear-based uh, platform to talk about these things with, that things can go much better. Um, addiction is real. Now, the APA has not yet, or the American... Um, Psychiatric and Psychological Associations have not yet coded these as diagnostic categories. However, the World Health Organization has coded gaming as a diagnosable addiction, um, and I think others are very close behind. So it is important to know that there are real um, addictive properties to a lot of our tech use, Mm -hmm. but the way in which we come toward our children with that knowledge is very important, Mm -hmm. in terms of how then the trajectory goes, in terms of helping them or isolating and alienating them. Toreen, what would you like
1: to leave our listeners with? What is your message?
2: My message would be to start telling yourself, ourselves, all of us, the truth about our tech use and see if there's one little area we could start to kind of moderate or become less uh, engaged with our tech about and more flexible about our actual embodied engagement with. Mm
1: -hmm. Very true. And how can people find you? Do you have a blog? Are you doing workshops? Tell us about that.
2: All of those things. Um, my website is probably the easiest place, which is DoreenDM.com, and that has a calendar of where I'll be in the country uh, when. Um, I'm also traveling with a continuing ed provider doing psychological continuing ed from uh, physicians and, and therapists. And, uh, and then I do have a blog that uh, I try to, to populate pretty well, and the book is available at booksellers and Amazon.
1: And the book again is Deviced, balancing life and technology in a digital world. World, and that's on Amazon and bookstores. Yep, yep. All right, it's really been a pleasure to have you on the program, Doreen. I really appreciate. It. It's an important topic, and can people Thank write you. to you
2: through the website? Yep, yep. All my contact is there, and I'd love to hear from folks.
1: Thanks so much. Just stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Uh, You can find me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin Raskin Resources, and just like me there. Uh, You can also write to me, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. I'll put you on my newsletter list, and you can see all the wonderful guests I have every month coming on. All right, until next time, have a great, great week. Bye for now.